0: Temp check.
1: How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Brian Tishy from White Snake. <laughs> and you're listening. Talking
0: metal. Hi, this is Christy Hemi, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
3: This is Richard Christie from Charred Walls of the Damned, and you are listening to Talking Metal. All right. Hey, this is Chris from Lamb of God, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hello, this is Tony Iomi, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
4: Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Talking Metal. <laughs> yes, Jim Brewer, and you're listening to Talking
2: Hi, this is Ian Hill from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Vizio, you're rocking with Talking Metal. Fucking hell. What's up? This is Dave Navarro, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Devin Townsend from Strapping Young Lad, and you are listening to Talking Metal.
4: Hi, this is Herman Z. German Wehrbell. You're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
1: This is Amanda Somerville and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hey everybody, this is Veronica from Benedictum, and you are listening to Talking Metal.
2: Hey, this is Glenn Drover, and you're listening to Talking Metal
4: You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Turn it up.
5: Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. John Astronomy here, hanging out with Mark at McDonald's on forty second street. Yeah, we uh, actually are not eating at McDonald's. We just snuck in here.
3: It's still a little cold out in New York City, uh, right across the street from the uh, dreaded uh, Spider-Man Broadway show. B.B. Uh, King's is right down the street. Kind of a cool block. This block back uh, 42nd between uh, 7th and 8th used to be all porno theaters back when I started living in New York City. It's now a real, really touristy, actually, I would say.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, guys, this McDonald's is not your standard McDonald's. It looks like a like a rock club in here. There's, like, you know, three floors. There's, uh, you know, literally, it looks more like a club than a restaurant. Yeah.
3: It's got to be one of the biggest McDonald's, period, I would think. It's,
5: yeah, it's, like, what,
3: one, two, three, four floors? Wow. Like, yeah, four floors. Uh, so really, really big... Uh, yeah, so New York City, hanging out with John Astronomy here on Talking Metal. I wanted to, right off the bat, plug our friend Kevin's website, Anti-Music. It is the place to go for all your music news, not just heavy metal and hard rock, just music news in general. Every day he has the Day in Rock up there. So definitely check out anti-music.com. He is always great, always posting our releases and stuff like that. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Anti-Music. Tommy Lee is coming to sci-fi. My former employer uh, has announced that they are going to have the Tommy Lee reality show. So look for that coming soon. Who knows? Maybe we'll even uh, get Tommy Lee on the
5: show here. It would be great to have Tommy Lee on the show. Why don't we hear a little Motley Crue? Sounds good. Here is Looks the Kill by Motley Crue. That was Looks That Kill by Motley Crue, right here on Talking Metal, coming to you from the gigantic McDonald's, 42nd Street, Manhattan. So, Mark, we have a great episode for everybody planned today. We have interviews that you did with Glenn Drover, who, of course, used to be in Megadeth, played on United Abominations, and we have Veronica Freeman from Benedictum. That's right. And we'll get right into the Glenn Drover interview, and then we'll come back
3: and get our weekly ace Frehley update from john of course but uh let's uh let's get into a little megadeth uh you want to pick a song off of united abominations i love the title track as you guys know would that be cool to play the title track absolutely let's check it out united abominations by glenn drover and megadeth and then we'll get right into my interview i recorded it about two weeks ago so check it out here's megadeth The it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and on the line we have Glenn Grover. How you doing, Glenn? I'm
2: doing good. How are you?
3: I am good. I am good. You have a new record out, which we want to talk about. Which I, I was able to hear on uh, on the site on a link that was sent to me. Um, is that? It's called illusion Is the album currently out?
2: It's released on the fifth of April. Come up real quick.
3: Fifth of April. Great. And the, the yeah, track
2: single. There's a single that's available right now on iTunes. If you want to call it a single? It's basically we took one of the songs off the album, which was track one, a song called Ground Zero, and we also did an alternate version of it. So there's two different versions of the song on iTunes, just for now until the album's release.
3: Okay, okay. But I, I actually heard that song, and it sounded great—a very almost Demiola feel to it. Al Demiola, who I'm assuming may have been an influence of yours.
2: Sure. Yeah, definitely one of one of my influences growing up, absolutely.
3: And this album is much like Led Miola's work is instrumental, right?
2: Correct. Yeah.
3: And who's so playing instrumental? Who's playing with you on this record?
2: Well, the band is consists of myself, Chris Sutherland, who is the drummer. Uh he also is the drummer for Kim Mitchell's band. He played with Saga for a while as well. Speaking of Saga, Jim Gilmore is the keyboard player and he also plays in, in uh, Saga, and bass player, a uh, buddy of, of Chris uh, from, from Winnipeg, where he lives, and the guy's name is Paul, and uh, they're just all phenomenal musicians, you know. Um, so really happy to be working with these guys. And and, and there's also some guests on the album that we, uh, guest guitar players that we brought on, and, um, you know, which play in, you know, various songs. Vinnie Moore. Cool. Chris Poland. Jeff Loomis and uh, Steve Smythe and uh Frederick from Opeth as well.
3: will there be plans to tour at all behind this record?
2: Well, there's no plans put in place right now, but uh, we certainly will be playing It's just um you know we just we just finished the album you know not too long ago and and um, spent a lot of time on that um, It was done over a long period of time, but uh, towards the end we there's a lot of work going into analyzation and mixing and mastery and so forth. And, uh, but then at the end, you know, as you know, the album comes out at the beginning of next month. So after that, it's definitely going to be hopefully putting some things in motion real
3: quick. Um, but there's no plans right now. Okay. Now you've done playing with everybody from Megadeth to Testament to King Diamond, but let's go back into like maybe the early nineties. Can you talk a little bit about your history and what you were doing? Let's say prior to joining King Diamond?
2: Sure. Me and my brother Sean, who is the current drummer for Megadeth, we formed a band called Eidolon in the early 90s, which, uh, oddly enough or not, started off as an instrumental project. And um, We just came up with a strange name, Eidolon would be called, and, and, and stuck. We never changed it as as, the, as that project then morphed into, you know, getting going into the, and getting into vocals and becoming more of a a metal band, you know. Um, and, uh, basically what we did was we did, you know, some, some independent recordings (coughs) in the earlier part of the nineties. And then, um, by the time we hit, uh, I guess it would have been 2000, we had already put out, you know, about four or five albums, some were independent (coughs) and, uh, some were with metal blade. And we basically ran with that all the way up till the time that we joined Megadeth. So we had that band going um, throughout my time in King Diamond, and the early part of uh, being in Megadeth. But it was primarily more a a recording outfit. We played a handful of shows. You know, we played some cool festivals like Balkan and stuff like that. But uh, you know, not very many. We didn't do any tour or anything like that. It was more of a a recording-based band. But was um, a great stepping stone for for me and Sean you know because had it not been for that and me being in King Diamond we wouldn't have wound up you know being getting into Megadeth and so
5: forth
3: cool and you played with Megadeth for about I guess four years and you were on the live record and you also were a part of uh United Abominations and what happened you just uh w- there was on your Wikipedia page, I think it says you were looking to spend more time with your family. Is that, is that basically why you left Megadeth?
2: No, of course not. I mean, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, I mean, this is kind of an old story now, you know, but I'll just tell you briefly, the whole thing was basically I, I left and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty personal person. I don't, I don't believe in, you know, airing dirty laundry and, and, and getting into details, uh, about, you know, certain personal situations like that. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, that was I definitely wanted to spend more time with my family because I hadn't been home in practically four years. But obviously I'm not going to leave a band of that size because I want to stay home with my family, and it has my brother in it. So anybody who reads that, you got to know that there's something more to the story. Right. And, of course, there is. It was fun in the beginning. Towards the end, it wasn't. It was uh, quite miserable, in fact. And, um, you know, when you put that... Uh, in a blender along with, uh, you know, oh, I haven't seen my family in, in years, you know, because of the constant touring and everything else. And I'm just, you know, as fucked up as it sounds, it'd be miserable. Sorry, I should, I'll take that back. Um, to be, you know, in a band of that size and, and and not be happy, there's something wrong. So, and I know I don't need to elaborate on that. So basically that's what happened. Right. So it had nothing to do with I'm just going to stay home and I'm not going to play music anymore and all the silly things that people misread or I don't know what happened. Very strange. And, um, you know, that's what it is, man. It's, you know, I just wanted to get, get out of out of that situation but, you know, do something that's going to make me happy. And that's what I'm doing right now. Anything that, you know, that's the best way to live, you know, as we know. You know, have got to be tolerant with whatever you're doing and, and, and to be excited about it. Well, that's just a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, De- definitely. Yeah.
3: So let's go back and talk about some of your influences. We mentioned Aldi Miola before. How about more rock and metal players? Who are some of your favorite players?
2: Well, uh, oh God, there's so many, you know. Starting with Tony Iommi would be one of my first heroes, uh, you know. And then after that, it'd be Kim Mitchell, definitely. Jeesh, um, Randy Rhodes, definitely. Engbe Mountainstein, George Lynch, Warndy Martini. Um, Dave Gilmore, of course. Um, so many, so many, um, Benny Moore, of course, Paul Gilbert. So a lot of, you know, those type of players, players that I, I like the guys that have the technique, but I like the guys that they're more of a package. It's like they have the technique, but they have great feel. They have great fa- phrasing. They have great vibrato. They're really good rhythm players. You know, just like somebody who just plays fast, you know, um, my dog could probably do that. Right. We just say you know, that, that's for me That's that's more exciting and that's that's more musicianship is having a well-rounded player where you can you have all those important important elements all wrapped into one. Sure. To me that's what makes it a great musician be it, you know, a drummer or bass player, keyboard player,
3: guitar player. Now on the new instrumental record Metal Illusion you mentioned Vinnie Moore is a guest on that record as as well as being one of your influences, how did he come to the project?
2: Well, you know, to be honest with you, never met, I've never met Vinny in person, although I've played, you know, various... We played with, When I was at Megadeth, we played various festivals, and UFO was there and stuff like that. I never actually got to talk to him face-to-face, but we did talk on the Internet. Uh, my brother Sean had, you know, after I left the band, you know, wound up being in a certain place where he was, and they started talking and all that stuff, so kind of got to know him a little bit through that, and then just, again, just through, you know, um, you know, a couple little emails here and there, and um, and Vinny knew what I was was doing because Sean told him, hey, you know, Glenn, you know, because he had asked what, what I was doing, whatever, after I was with the band, and, he'd, you know, Sean would tell me he's working on, you know, instrumental stuff now, and this and that, and, and uh, so by the time I asked him, he already knew kind of what I, where I was going, and um, he was really receptive to it, and he was all cool with, you know, laying in his talent and, and, you know, and, and did a great solo. So it's really happy about that, that he, uh, that he played on the record.
3: And how does it work nowadays? Do you just like send like Pro Tools files out to a guy like that? Or does he actually show up at the studio and record with
2: you? I'm sorry. One more time.
3: Uh, like, like, uh, like many more or some of your other special guests, uh, are they actually coming down to the studio in person with you and playing on the record or are just... Oh, no, pro no, no, it
2: was Everybody did their pieces in their own studios, all of them. And that, and that which to me is a really, really cool concept, you know, of... of that collaboration type of thing where, you know, you send something to someone, you know, it's not quite complete, and then they put something on it, and it starts to develop, you know, I love yeah. that, yeah, I love definitely. that kind of thing, and with technology now, it's even easier than it used to be where, you know, before we, you're sending tapes, ADAT tapes or whatever it was, the, remember when they came out, yeah. that was the big thing, you know, and that's, that was awesome, I love that, love that concept, and that's what happened with this, everybody did their solo in, you know, either their own studio or they went into a studio and, uh, and cut, you know, cut their track or tracks. So cool. it sounds very, peaceful. it doesn't sound like it, you know, it was done that way, but you know, that's like definitely goes into the whole, you know, mixing process. So,
3: yeah, cool. And can you talk a little bit about your work with Testament? You do, are you, would you say fill in work when Alex is, is not able to do shows with uh, Testament?
2: Well, yeah, like I mentioned before, it was basically just um or if I didn't um Yeah, that was before when, we actually uh, technically started the interview. So
3: I I wanted to take, Okay, sorry, yeah. uh,
2: sorry. Um basically what happens is um Alex ha- has uh, his own band. He's got a, a jazz trio or something and and sometimes there'll be a conflict with dates, you know, Testino will have certain dates lined up for shows and and he'll get an offer and and sometimes he, you know, he'd like to, you know, to be able to to play those dates with his own band, and um, and so what happens is the guys in Tesla will contact me to see if I can to help out so they can uh, you know just be able to to keep those those shows intact and and you know they're friends of mine so we played together many times so and it's fun you know it gets me out a little bit and you know do a little bit of touring but not much type of thing you know
3: right cool and
2: so and that's that's a great camp you know that's um, to me that was it's it's just fun they're just really good people the way it should be you know the way all spanish should be better touring and doing well you should you know definitely don't ever take it for granted you know and and uh cuz it, it could all end tomorrow unfortunately i met a lot of people that you know they just don't get that and, but these guys do you know they go they do it for the right reasons it's about you know it's not just for the money or any kind of, you know, the, all the plastic stuff. It's, they genuinely love what they do, and they're like still like little kids, you know, just fired up about what they're doing and, and put out great music and, and have a blast and play live. That's the way it should be.
3: Cool. And can you talk about what type of gear you actually play on as far as guitars and amps and effects and stuff go?
2: Yeah, I use Dean Guitars. I've been with Dean for the last three or four years now. Um, but four, and uh, I use Randall, Randall Amps. Mm-hmm. I've been with them now for the last little while. Uh, as far as effects and stuff, well, I, the one preamp that I have been using for the last um, several years is uh, uh, a rack mount by Digitech called the GSP-1101. That's a great unit. But now with the Randall's, I get, you know, the, the tone, all the tones I'm I'm looking for. So inside from that, you know, I'm with uh Dario for for strings and and um, Jim Dunlop, picks and
3: so forth. Cool. And we have a lot of guitar players in our audience on uh, on the Talking Metal podcast here. And I just wanted to ask you about your actual actual practicing. Um, when you were starting to learn how many hours a day did you spend practicing the guitar, uh, that's the A part of the question. And the B part of the question is, do you still continue to practice a, a lot on your own, you know, without the band or, you know, yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, about...
2: I, know. I, I, I hear you. Um, obviously I don't practice as much now because I have a family. Uh, I think when you're young and you're single and, you know, and you answer to yourself, you're going to have a lot more time on your hands. Um but even back then I there was never a set thing where I practiced for 5 hours a day. I just practiced whenever I wanted to. I never thought, "Oh, I think I should practice now." It was always that type of thing, but it always it would usually be a few hours a day. Right. You know, for sure. Um now, I, you know, I might get in, a, you know, about an hour a day or so. You know, sometimes more, sometimes less. Just all depends on what I what I'm doing because before I was a guitar player. Now, you know, I do engineering and production and, you know, and and I teach music and, you know, I'm all over the map. So there's only so many hours in the day for me to to do all the things that I need to and want to do. But uh, but I still find time to play, of course, because I still love it. So just have to kind of pick my moments.
3: (laughs) Right, right. I hear you. But you would say you would say for somebody starting out, it is definitely, I mean, obviously you, you you need to want to do it, but it's also important that you put in, you know, at least a couple hours a day.
2: Absolutely. Especially when you're just, you know, just starting to pick up, you know, and really start to get going. Those are, you know, it's crucial. Um, I think during those times when you're really starting to evolve as a player and You know, maybe you've only been playing for about a year or two, but you could see the real progress That's the time that, you know, but that's, I think the people that are into it, um, you know, that they're motivated by it and they're hungry to get to that next level. And that's, you know, those, those are the type of players that excel, of course, you know, you have to want to do it just like anything else. If you, if you force it, it's half-hearted, you know, but you could tell the difference usually.
3: Right, right. And and you mentioned that you, you just mentioned that you do some teaching? Is that like a guitar teaching or mm-hmm. instruction?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I've been the... doing that on and off for years, so it's something I love to do. I've been doing it for a long time. And where does, Megadeth after Megadeth.
3: And where does the teaching take place? Where are you based out of?
2: Um, I do online lessons as well as uh, I teach at a lesson center, um, which is pretty close to where I live. So I get to do the in-person thing a couple of days a week. But I've been getting more into online, to be honest with you. I find it that um, it's almost more productive because when you're doing when you're like face-to-face type of situation, you know, people can come in, you got to tune up, blah, blah, blah. When you get online, it's like you're ready before you get there, before you log on, you're pretty much ready to go. You know, so it's a little bit more productive, I find, and, and – um you get to use the time a little bit better, and that's purely um, what I do. For the I do MSN, but I do. I have a lot of uh, students through Skype.
3: Ah, okay. So, like, a, a, you know,
2: it's a free, that's a free downloadable program, as you know, for way, and you know, have a decent webcam, and away you go. It's real simple, man. You yeah. Know? And you know, you just get like a webcam that has like a built-in mic. But you know, for people that you know, if you want to—I I still have some openings. Uh, I don't have a ton because my schedule is definitely pretty, getting pretty full. Um, but um, the email to contact me for that, for the uh, for online lessons, is uh, it's uh, gdlessons at gmail dot com.
3: Cool. All right. Well, Glenn, thank that's you so much. Trouble. I'm sorry. What was that? Yep. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, Glenn, I was just saying, uh, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us, and we're going to encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to get the new instrumental record, Metalusion. illusion right. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we wish you the best of luck, and we'd love to get a Talking Metal ID from you before we let you go. Just your name, and sure. you are listening to Talking Metal. Okay, hey, you ready? Go for it. Hey,
2: this is Glenn Drover, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
5: That was Ground Zero by Glenn Drover from his new record, Metalusion. And, guys, check the links on TalkingMetal.com and go to iTunes and buy that. Yes, definitely.
3: Big thanks to Glenn for joining us. And one of the coolest things Glenn said in the interview is he gives lessons. You don't even have to be in his city to have these lessons. He gives them over Skype, on the computer, and he gave his email address out during the interview we're going to have that posted in today's show notes too so any aspiring guitar players out there who want to take lessons from the one and only glenn drover go to talkingmetal.com to get his email address and email him and hook it up and we'll write it you know I, I, people don't like their email addresses written on websites so we'll spell out the word dot but you guys will know it's it's an actual dot for his email address john ace fairly going on tour
5: Well, we've got, I say we, um, Ace has some summer tour dates, and three of them have been announced so far. And guys, stay tuned to aceforla.com because I suspect that some more will be announced. Uh, These are the ones that are currently happening uh, June 18th. And my phone just went off. Okay. Slinger, Wisconsin. uh, It's something called Slinger Rocks. So it sounds like a festival kind of a situation. Uh, i got to look further into it. Um, August 13th, Three Forks, Montana, Rockin' the Rivers Festival. And then uh, August 27th, Auburn, Michigan at the DET Energy Center. That's going to be a show with Alice Cooper. And I, I believe they are going to be at least three bands, uh, maybe an opening act, and then Ace is going to take the stage, and then after Ace, Alice Cooper is going to take the stage. And guys, if you're listening to this, there was a little confusion over the date. I accidentally posted that it, this was August 28th, and all, a bunch of websites like Blabbermouth uh, picked it up and posted that they have since corrected it once i was informed that i had the wrong date so um thanks to everybody who made the correction on that date so guys definitely if if you're in any of these areas definitely come and see ace freely because it's going to be a great you know great couple of dates and i suspect as i said that there's going to be some more dates so just keep checking ace and you'll probably be at those concerts with ace
3: right so if you see ace uh or john for that matter definitely go up and say hello
5: yeah, no doubt about it, guys. I uh, met a bunch of people down in Tampa at that show, and then I met some uh, Talking Metal listeners at the MonsterCon in Cherry Hole, New Jersey. And definitely, if you see me, come on up to me. Or if you're going to be in that town and you're going to the show, hit me up on Facebook and uh, let me know you're coming, because uh, it's definitely going to be a great uh, you know, a great time. Aces Band is, is really kicking. They're great. Uh, Todd Youth on guitar is awesome. Uh, of course... Of course, our friend Anthony Esposito on the bass, and really great drummer named Scotty Coogan, he used to play with Brides of Destruction. Very good, cool. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up. I
3: was having some Skype slash mic level issues when I interviewed Veronica Freeman. I'm going to try to clean it up the best I can, and uh, hopefully, you guys can still enjoy the interview with this great singer from this great band. Benedictum is her band. So, Veronica from Benedictum. We'll get into a little music by Benedictum. Well, how about start off with uh, At the Gates, and then we'll also close out the uh, interview and the podcast with a little more music from Benedictum. Definitely support these guys. Their album is on iTunes. Support us by going to TalkingMetal.com. Use that link to open your your iTunes and buy Benedictum by glenn drover's Metallusion, and uh what happens is when you use that link to open your itunes to buy these songs anything you buy in itunes uh post opening the link we get a little cut of that so we appreciate the support and uh some nice dixieland music playing here at uh, mcdonald's 42nd street
5: yeah, it's insane. There's some kind of projection on one of the top floors. And uh, like I said, guys, this place is nuts. It, it, there are like, you know, stage-style lighting. Uh, you know, it's all blue and black and red. and You know, there's like that diamond plate walls. Like, you know, that you often see in like, you know, James Hetfield, I think, had a guitar with diamond plate on it. So this place is uh, one heck of a cool McDonald's. So uh, if you're in New York, go to 42nd between 7th Avenue and 8th Avenue. Right across from the Spider-Man play that has been riddled with problems. Music by you 2 guys. Yeah, that's correct. Anyways, this is At the Gates
3: by Benedictum. And then we'll hear from Veronica Freeman. Thanks for joining us on Talking Metal. from the Talking Metal podcast, and on the line we have Veronica from Benedictum. How are you doing, Veronica?
1: I'm doing great. How are you? I am
3: good. Thanks so much for joining us. I only recently was turned on to you guys um, through, I guess, Dustin, and great stuff. The the new album just sounds great. Now, I guess this is actually your third record, though, so yeah. for, for myself and for the Talking Metal listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you guys, can you give us maybe the, the two- or three-minute history of the band?
1: Sure. We're originally from San Diego, and I guess we're kind of like a traditional metal. I really don't know how to describe exactly what we do. And we've had two albums out uh, previously, which were on Locomotive Records, Uncreation and Seasons of Tragedy. And now we have the third album, Dominion, on Frontiers. And it's kind of cool because this is like the second time today where. Dominion was the first album that was heard. Do you know what I mean?
5: Right, yes. So
1: that's kind of cool because now people are kind of going back and checking out the other stuff and that that, that that's a cool thing. I'm glad we're getting, some, getting noticed over here.
3: And how did you guys hook up with the people at Frontier?
1: Well, we were on Locomotive, like I said, for the first two albums and at the time when Locomotive went under, we were looking, you know, you kind of like first get that little feeling of, man, what are we going to do? And then we started shopping around, and I had heard about Frontiers, and I did a little bit of research and kind of asked a few people that knew some people, you know, that sort of thing, and were they were they good people and all that kind of stuff, and then I had um, a friend of mine that knew someone there, get in touch with them for me, and, you know, one of those kind of little networking things, and they were interested in taking us on, so that was cool.
3: Cool. Now, are you guys planning on any major touring to support this uh, release? Yeah, we is just...
1: some shows here in the States. We do have one scheduled for June, or oh, I think it's June 17th, at the Warriors of Metal Festival in Ohio. And then we'll be touring Europe in October. Excellent.
3: And do you have, as far as your fan base goes, is, do you see a big difference between... Fan base here in the States or in Europe? Uh, is there one part of the world where you guys are more popular? Obviously, you're from San Diego, so maybe San Diego?
1: No, not San Diego.
3: <laughs> no, not San Diego, okay.
1: I would say because it, you're a perfect example. There's people that are just now hearing about us, and that's great. You know, we, we love that. Um, our fan base was mostly European, and now. And only very few. We didn't have that much exposure here in the states, even though we were from here. It's kind of strange. Most of our touring was over there, so we're hoping to definitely get a chance to play a lot more on U.S. soil and to to get the U.S. metal fans going.
3: Cool. And will you be an opening or supporting act when you go out on the road in the states, or headlining?
1: I really don't know yet where all that stuff is in the works. So as soon as I get word on that, trust me, I'll make sure everybody knows about it.
3: Well, now you guys uh, do some covers I was reading. Now, is it true that you at one time had a, was it a a Dio cover band or a Black Sabbath cover
1: band? a Dio Dio tribute band type of thing, or cover band, whatever you want to call it. So um, that was... That was for a short period of time because I was in a different band at the time as well and I'm working full time. But that was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, that, I forgot what the rest of the question was. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just
3: asking if you enjoy playing covers and, and that was leading me to who maybe some of your influences are as a singer.
1: Yeah, obviously Ronnie James Deal would be one. A lot of, you know, Jeff Tate and... and I have a, a wide, very eclectic taste in music. So there's other, like Tina Turner and, and a lot of different vocalists that I really, really admire. Because I just like to study other people's approach to things. So there's so much talent out there in this world. And, and also, um, the thing about the covers, that on the first album, we have two Black Sabbath, Dio era Black Sabbath covers. We were supposed to only have one. One was just supposed to be a bonus track, and then it ended up staying on there. It was only supposed to be a limited edition. And then we thought, well, you know what? Let's just do a, a have that kind of be the tradition. So we did um, a cover of Accepts Balls to the Wall on the second album, and then we did a Rush tune, Temple of the Syrinx, on, on this one.
3: Right, and, and the Rush uh, tune is actually listed as a bonus track. What does that actually mean? Is it, it Will it not be on the second printing, or is it not available on iTunes or something?
1: You know, that is a really good question, because the CDs that I have have it on there. So I think it's going to be on there. It's You know, you have your traditional regular titles, and then they wanted bonus tracks, so we gave it to them. Right, I got you. Let's
3: talk about the, the first two records. Now, you guys, at one point, is it true you worked with Jeff Pilsen?
1: Yeah, Jeff Pilsen is a producer and a great friend of the band. When when Craig Goldie was a friend of mine, he's the wow. one that, that got me, I don't want to say discovered Benedictum, but is really responsible for, for us having a, a series of what I call really great events happen. So he'd always... He's told me that when he when he heard something that he thought was quote unquote, you know, good enough that he would see what he could do and when he heard some of the stuff that we were doing he was like okay now it's time. So he's the one that got a hold of Jeff Pilson and um Jeff listened to the body of work that we had at the time and said okay I can work with these people. So we went up there and did our three song demo with Jeff and then got signed to Locomotive and, of course, wanted to work with him as producer. He became like the sixth member of Benedictum. So we did the second album with him as well. And he's also featured on this third album, which we have a different producer. But, you know, he's still involved. And it's been, you know, it's been quite a little journey.
3: Cool. When you say he's actually featured on the third album, what is he doing?
1: He is singing um, on the... First bonus track, the song called Sanctuary, singing an acoustic duet with me.
3: And now when you said you went, went up to work with Jeff, where is he based? In Los Angeles?
1: Yes, he's based in Los Angeles. So that was a, that was a cool dream. That was a really interesting time when we first started out. Because we learned a lot about songwriting from him. And it's very, for those who write music, they would be able to relate to that. It's really a different feeling to have someone take your stuff You know, cut it apart, rearrange it, (laughs) and make something else out of it. And, but we learned a lot from that. So that the second time we went up there, we were a lot more prepared and knew what his writing style was. And he really had quite a a large hand in helping to shape us into what we, (laughs) what we are, I guess.
3: Now, you write all the lyrics. Now, does that include vocal melodies and stuff, too? Or are you strictly just writing the ly- It does include vocal
1: melodies. Oh, yeah. 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 So we have our little process. You know, Pete, Pete's usually the primary songwriter, but we had a lot of collaboration this time with other members as well. So I'll listen to the music and then find a part that really inspires me, and then I'll do a rough arrangement and, you know, do the lyrics and the melody for them.
3: And you mentioned Pete. Can you go through the, the all the members of the band and, and tell us who they are and what they're playing?
1: Certainly. There's Mikey Pannone on drums, Chris Strum on bass, Tony Diaz on the keyboards, and Pete Wells on guitar, who is a founding member with me for Benedictum, And he's been my writing partner, or I've been his writing partner, for many years. And has
3: there been, since you guys have done the three albums, has there been uh, lineup changes?
1: good God, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's because it's, now it's especially difficult because we're, like, right now I'm in Phoenix. It's kind of interesting that uh, I moved to Glendale, Arizona. He moved to Surprise, Arizona. Tony lives in Queen Creek, Arizona. And then Chris and Mikey still live in the San Diego area. So, practices are... Pricey, especially with gas being. right yeah. but it's you know what it, it's a labor of love it's something we you know we really want to do and try to keep together so that's what we do where is the best place for the talking metal listeners to get in touch with you guys online um the best place would be our website which is benedictum.net and of course there's a myspace forward slash benedictum you can get a hold of me personally on facebook i love that stuff so it's Veronica Freeman. And then there's a Benedictum group as well. So please, by all means, stay in touch and get in contact.
3: Great. Well, we encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to go out and check out Benedictum. And the, the, all the albums up on iTunes? Yes, I believe they are. Okay, great. But it's always great to also buy the, yeah. the CD. Yeah, buy the CD. There you go. <laughs>
0: So blind, my eyes. I cannot see my mind to play insanity. I used to stand out in the rain to hide my tears. Condition. you My mind is open.